You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review for Tuesday, November 29th. I'm Portia Cook. And I'm Kira McKinley. And you're tuned into KCSU Fort Collins. On today's show, Kara McKinley goes over campus news with information on the end of Colorado State University's football team season. After that, Portia covers local news with information on a local minimum wage increase. Then I go over music, entertainment, and events news with information on this week's top sounds of TikTok. After that, you'll hear an interview with myself and College Avenue writer Samantha Nordstrom about her time as a writer for the magazine and the current Everything Outdoors print edition. Then I'll be covering environmental news today with updates on how to be environmentally sustainable this holiday season. After that, I go over national news with updates on a shooting at Club Q in Colorado Springs. Then stay tuned for your CSU sports updates with you and Pert. And to conclude today's show, I will take a look at what Fort Collins has in store for the weather this week. The following RMR broadcast was pre-recorded on Monday, November 28th. With that, let's move right into campus and local news. This is Kira McKinley reporting your campus news for Tuesday, November 29th. Last week, a shooting took place at an LGBTQ plus bar in Colorado Springs that took the lives of five people and injured at least 25 as well. Interim President Miranda released a statement sending his condolences. He said, quote, we condemn this attack of terror and the hate that motivates it. Just as we join in honoring those who lost their lives and those who were injured in this senseless assault. We also want to thank and express our appreciation for the heroes who stepped in to subdue the attacker and end this horrible incident. End quote. Interim President Miranda also mentioned resources for students and staff who may need support or assistance in light of this attack. If you are looking for resources or for the interim president's full letter, it can be found on CSU Source News. In other campus news, the Colorado State University football team wrapped up its season this past weekend. The Rams played the University of New Mexico. The final score was 17-0, making this the 12th consecutive win for the Rams against the University of New Mexico. Not only did the Rams celebrate their win in this game, but this was also their senior day, which is a game that aims to honor all the seniors who will be graduating, according to the Collegiate. For more information on CSU Athletics, make sure to stay tuned as later in the show, you and Pert will go over all news on CSU Sports. At the ASCSU meeting that took place on November 16th, many pieces of legislation were brought before the Senate. A few of those pieces of legislation were particularly notable, one of which was the Groom Transportation Bill. This bill was seeking $7,000 from the Senate Discretionary Fund to help provide free airport transportation to the Denver International Airport for students during the holiday season. Another bill that was presented to the Senate is the signature of the ASCSU bill. This bill would include an endorsement letter that would be sent to the 118th United States Congress concerning Roe v. Wade. This bill brought up a lot of opinions within the Senate. Jessica Laffey, who is a senator, claimed that it's not the Senate's job to get involved in national politics and that this bill may be crossing a line. Nonetheless, after a heated debate, the bill was passed 24-8. Information from this story comes from Sam Hewden, a reporter for The Collegian. Thank you for listening to my campus news updates. Now on to local news with Portia Cook. I am Portia Cook reporting your local news for Tuesday, November 29th. On Tuesday, November 15th, the City of Fort Collins City Council unanimously voted to postpone its larger minimum wage increase and resume minimum wage discussions in six months. If passed, Fort Collins would have seen a minimum wage increase of between $18 and $19 per hour. For now, the minimum wage will stay at its current rate of $12.56 per hour. Regardless of Tuesday's decision, the city plans to increase the minimum wage for city employees to $15 per hour in 2023. As for why the wage increase was postponed, city council said they did not hear enough from residents, workers, and businesses affected by the increase. Mayor Pro Tem Emily Francis told Colorado Public Radio, quote, I think we've had a lot of business come out and talk about why they're against it, and we really haven't heard from employees that would be impacted from this. Francis went on to say that, quote, I think it would be good for the city to concentrate more on those low-income residents who would fall under this minimum wage and the benefit to them, end quote. A 2019 bill signed by Governor Jared Polis allows Colorado municipalities to adopt their own minimum wage. 
Fort Collins initially proposed to increase the minimum wage to $15, but according to data analysis found in city documents, a sustainable wage in Fort Collins is $18.39 for a single adult and $19.92 for two fully employed adults and a child. Fort Collins City Council will revisit the increase through work sessions and hope to vote on the issue next summer. If the minimum wage increase is approved, it will take effect in 2024. Information from this story comes from CPR. In other local news, Northern Colorado nonprofit Realities for Children is short on bikes this year for its annual bike drive. The event distributes new and refurbished bicycles and new helmets to children ages 2 to 17 who have been abused, neglected, abandoned, or are at risk in Larimer County. According to the Coloradoan, this year the nonprofit is seeing its largest request for bikes in 27 years, with 398 children hoping to get a bike. Executive Director Crave Stetcher told the Coloradoan that as of November 22nd, the nonprofit was short 170 bikes. While all bikes are accepted, the largest need is for 24 inch and 26 inch bikes for children ages 12 to 17. According to the Realities for Children website, the nonprofit asks that used bikes have no rips, tears, or chipped paint. All used bikes must also undergo safety checks and, if necessary, any repairs. If you're looking to donate a used bike, you must take them to one of the following drop off stations Recycled Cycles off Mason Street in Fort Collins, The Phoenix Cyclery off East Mulberry Street in Fort Collins, Trek Bicycle North off West Laurel Street in Fort Collins. Trek Bicycle South off East Harmony Road in Fort Collins, and Trek Bicycle Loveland off Thompson Parkway in Johnstown. New bikes can be dropped off at one of the partner bike shops mentioned previously or directly at Realities for Children at 308 East County Road 30, Fort Collins through December 7th. For additional information on how you can support the unmet needs of children in our community, you can visit realitiesforchildren.com. With the holidays upon us, your holiday shopping and dining are about to get a bit easier. The City of Fort Collins is offering free parking on Saturdays in three city parking structures, including the Firehouse Alley parking structure off Chestnut Street, the Old Town parking structure on the corner of Rebington and Mountain Avenue, and the Civic Center parking structure on the corner of Mason Street and LaPorte Avenue. According to the Coloradoan, free Saturday parking will start November 26th and continue through December 31st. Parking will also be free on upcoming holidays like Christmas, observed on Monday, December 26th, and New Year's Day, observed on Monday, January 2nd. On all other days, parking is free for the first hour and then a dollar each hour after in all structures. Payment can be made in kiosks located at the structure or through the Park Mobile app. That's all for today's local news. I'll be right back with your music events and entertainment news after the break. Hey, this is DJ EMS. Be sure to tune in on Saturdays from 9 to 11 a.m. for my show Siren Rock, only on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. I'm Portia Cook, and I'm back with your music events and entertainment news. Taylor Swift is keeping the number one spot this week on the Billboard's Top 100 with her song, Anti-Hero. This will mark her fourth week on the Billboard Chart's Top 100 number one spot. Wondering what the top three sounds from TikTok are this week? Well, coming in third is Megan Trainer with Made You Look. Coming in second is Monkey Spinning Monkeys. 
And taking the number one sound for TikTok this week is Love You So from King Kong and BBQ Show. Information from this story comes from Talkboard. In events news, the Lyric, in partnership with the Fort Collins Museum and Colorado State University's ACT Human Rights Film Festival, present All That Breathes. The Pay What You Can event will kick off at 6.30 p.m. on Thursday, December 1st at the Lyric in Fort Collins. All That Breathes is the first film in history to win the Best Documentary at both the Sundance and Keynes Film Festival and chronicles two brothers in one of the world's most populated cities who have devoted their lives to the efforts of protecting the black kite, a majestic bird of prey essential to the ecosystem of New Delhi that has been falling from the sky at alarming rates. Amid environmental toxicity and social unrest, the Kite brothers spend day and night caring for the creatures in their makeshift avian basement hospital. Director Shauna Ksen explores the connection between the Kites and the Muslim brothers who help them return to the skies, offering a mesmerizing chronicle of interspecies coexistence. That's all for your music events and entertainment news. If you're looking for more things to do, you can find the most up-to-date events on the events calendar at kcsufm.com. Now, an interview with myself and College Avenue writer Samantha Nordstrom about her time as a writer for the magazine and the current Everything's Outdoor print edition. My name is Samantha Nordstrom. I am a writer for College Ave, and I'm pursuing a degree in journalism and communication studies. Now, before we get into what you do with the magazine, let's talk a little bit about College Avenue magazine itself. I know that they have an online version and then they have a print version. What is the difference of the print version versus the online version of the magazine? So the print versions are definitely more like themed, I think, like to the theme, I guess. Like online, we put all our stories that go on print online as well. But online, it also can expand beyond the theme. And like other stories that aren't necessarily on the print theme can also go online. So I would say that's the biggest difference. Also online, there's like hyperlinks and videos and I'm sure stuff like that, like the usual stuff online whereas print obviously doesn't have that so if you were to pick up a print edition you could expect some very in-depth articles feature style lifestyle like it's going to be more than just like a simple news story i think like i think college app we really go really in depth to find those specific stories and those specific angles that i feel like you may not think about but um at least that's how I look at it when I'm approaching pitches. So I think if you're looking to learn about something new, maybe the new lifestyle choice, I don't know, anything like that. I think College Ave is definitely a good magazine that someone would like. Uh, I know we also talk about like local gems in Fort Collins, like a lot of culture and art and stuff like that. So very local. If you're wanting to get to know like the town of Fort Collins more, we also I think a lot of coverage is just about like specifically Fort Collins and stuff like that. So yeah, that's what I would say is the biggest difference. Now we were just talking a little bit about how this new print edition is new. Um, What would you say is the difference between this new print edition versus the old print edition? So the old print edition was, at least for this semester, CSU Roots, which was basically all about the history of CSU and, yeah, what it sounds like, CSU Roots, CSU's history, and talking about what makes CSU, CSU, like the school's identity. And this one, this newest edition is geared more towards specifically outdoor culture in the northern Colorado area. So all the articles, photo stories, everything is tailored towards that theme. So yeah, that's the big difference. How would you say College Avenue magazine differs from other college magazines? Well, I don't, I haven't really seen any other college magazines, so I don't know if I can quite compare it to another magazine, college magazine, but I do think it's a very unique magazine. I remember touring CSU and then like just seeing the magazine, like when I was like in junior high school, I saw it and I was like, oh, this looks so cool. And like I picked up a copy and I was like, if I come here, I'm going to write for this. And it really came full circle because I did come here and now I'm writing for the magazine, but um. I do think it's a really unique, it's really specific to the culture at CSU and Fort Collins in general. 
So, yeah. Definitely. Now, speaking of that, you said you've seen the the magazine when you were a little girl. It's come full circle. Now you're yeah. actually writing for the magazine itself. Let's talk a little bit about your time with the magazine and the work that you've contributed to the magazine. Um, how long have you been a writer with College App? So I went through training to become a writer back in October 2021. And I wrote my first piece shortly after that. And yeah, I've just, I've been writing ever since then. I've written, I think, four pieces. Hold on, let me think about this for a sec. Yeah, four pieces. So this one will be my fifth piece for the magazine that's coming out on Wednesday. So what would you say is your greatest strength as a writer for the magazine? I like to think, I feel like I'm a very visual writer. Like, I like to be very descriptive. I like to make the reader feel like they are dropped in a place or whatever in the situation that I'm talking about um, make it really engaging and stuff like that I like want the reader to be able to see like the story I guess if that makes sense yeah, um, more storytelling visual lots taking of, the reader there lots of storytelling yeah like it's not just like you know just talking about it it's like really trying to make the reader get immersed in the story and really be able to understand that's whatever specific angle that story is be able to understand it in a way that like maybe they wouldn't have really known about before reading that story so that's what I really try to go for in my stories and I feel like I do that fairly well so what would you say so far out of the five articles that you've written and we'll get into some of the specific ones that you've written but what have you enjoyed writing like what type of beat have you enjoyed writing so far that's a that's a bit of a tough question. The first article I wrote was really fun. It was about thrifting, which I thrift all the time. I love thrifting. That was more of like, it wasn't really a theme piece. It was just like, it was my first story and I kind of just got to pick whatever interested me. So that one was really fun. I went to the thrift stores, interviewed some employees and got to learn a lot about the culture of thrifting that I didn't really know before. So that was a really fun one. And then I think the other one that I'm going to want to mention is the, the the last one I just wrote, the Aggie era. I didn't expect that one to be as much fun as it was, but it was pretty fun. Like, it was cool to learn about, like, the history of the school because I didn't know there was, like, we have a really rich history here in the Aggie era beyond in agriculture and, like, how it developed from, like, an ag school to, like, what it is today, the university. I got to talk to like a historian and I got to talk to the producer of uh, The Great Experiment, 150, CCO 150, that documentary that they made, which was really, it was actually a really cool conversation to have, just like talking about all the history, what life was like for students back in the day. So that one was surprisingly enjoyable, but yeah. And that's one of them that we'll get into. Okay, um, yeah. Later down the because <laughs> I, I read that one myself, and it was really neat. There's a mm-hmm. lot about CSU that it's interesting. We go here. I've even grown up here, and I'm like, I did not know this. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, like, when Kaylee asked me to pitch an idea for like, CSU Roots, I was like, we used to be the Aggies, and, like, I feel like not a lot of people know why or about that so absolutely now where do you look or who do you look to for inspiration when you're trying to come up with topics to write about um wait who do i look to yeah who or is there anything that inspires you to find different topics to write on or yeah well we're talking about a person i would definitely like to mention kaylee the editor-in-chief she has taught me a lot since i've joined the writing staff about not only just improving my writing as far as grammatically and structure, but also just really finding those good stories that people want to hear and finding that angle that's interesting and engaging and unique and also tailored towards what we're going for at College Ave. So I definitely look to her a lot for inspiration and advice and help and stuff like that. And, uh, I guess, like, what I'm learning in my classes, too, like, what my professors are teaching me about storytelling, it's just, like, it's all, like, coming together, I guess, which is pretty cool. So, yeah. What would you say is your goal as a writer for the magazine? My goal as a writer? I guess I would say, kind of like what I was saying earlier, I just want to tell, like, these really impactful, cool stories that maybe... You know, you can learn something new from it or get a new perspective that you didn't know about. Like, like this past article or this past article I just wrote was about trail building. 
And it's like, you think about it, like, who's the one doing, building those trails? How do they do it? Like, stuff like that. Like, and then there's like a whole community around trail building and stuff like that, which I just think is really niche and really cool. And nobody really knows about that. So that's kind of what I like to, I guess, my goal was to just like highlight those stories that maybe nobody's really paying attention to or noticing and like giving those, giving those people those voices and stuff like that so now is there a way that you guys go about having like community engagement and and hearing from the community and what they want to read about or has that not is that something that hasn't really come about with the magazine yet um i'm not a hundred percent sure on that i think uh our theme i believe like our editors kind of decide that do they take student what the students want to read into consideration? I'm sure they do, but I'm not really sure how that process works. I know that whenever I'm trying to think of pitches and stuff to go on theme, I always try to think about that in like the student perspective, I guess. Like if I were just like a student, not a writer for the magazine, like what would I want to read about and stuff like that? Like when I wrote the Aggie era, I was thinking like you know, especially freshmen, these students are coming to CSU or Rams, but there's a giant A on the mountain. Like, why is there an A? Like, people, like, students might be interested in reading about why that A is there and the significance it holds to CSU. So I guess I really just try to think about, like, from a perspective of a student myself, like, what would I want to see in the magazine? That's what I would say. Sure. Now, on that same topic, what are ways that you ensure that your thinking about as you know from a student perspective what I would want to hear or what a student would want to hear but in a diverse way because there's so many different types of students how do you go about ensuring that you're creating content that speaks to a wide range of audiences I think I really try to do that with sources I try to do a pretty wide variety of sources I usually do at least three per story I write, plus including things like hyperlinks and all sorts of stuff like that. Because I think it's important to like not only try and get those diverse voices, but to also make sure that the story is easy to understand for anybody who's reading it. And um, yeah, that's what I think. Like the sources, like I try to get diverse voices, but also a lot of the time I try to get a lot of the experts as well based on like whatever topic or angle I'm writing for. Now, I was looking, like I said, at some of your work. There was the fall and spring 2022 print editions. You wrote, um, and then like I was telling you, one of the things that I always find interesting as a writer, but then also like as a consumer is, okay, we're reading this awesome piece of content, but we really don't ever hear about like, the creative process behind it or um, the behind the scenes of creating a piece like something that's found in College Avenue magazine. So in the fall of 2022 edition of the magazine, you created that piece titled The Aggie Era, uh, well, titled The Aggie Era, and it was about what you called one of CSU's most prominent historical eras. And then in spring of 2022 edition, you created the piece titled The Asian American Heritage and representation through film. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear a little bit more about the behind the scenes of the two pieces. Mm -hmm. Um, So like walk me through your process of you have this idea or you have that title or um, that beat and then what goes on in between from research to interviews to um, whatever takes place to getting it down on paper and getting it finalized. What does that look like for you? So uh, I guess I'll start with the Asian American representation in film. So when looking, when trying to decide on the movies that I was going to put in this article, it was a very somewhat difficult process because I was trying to find very wide range, diverse movies that weren't just all within the same lens, if that makes sense. So like I said, uh, one of the films I did was Mulan, which I think was... A pretty good representation, but it could be considered very Americanized because it was under this Disney bubble, and there were still some stereotypes in that that are pretty typical for Asian American representation. So that, but that was still one of them. It was still, you know, I think it was one of the first like Disney films that really had like an Asian American lead. I could be wrong on that, but I think. 
another one I talked about was Parasite, and uh, that movie came out in 2019, I believe, but I mentioned that one because that movie blew up. Like, that is a very well-known movie, and it received so... In my research, I saw that it received 197 film-related accolades and 33 nominations. And the thing that stuck out to me about Parasite was it's technically, it's not English. It's uh, Korean. Yes, Korean. And uh, which means there's subtitles and stuff. And I feel like one of my sources and I talked about this, the thing with like subtitle movies is they usually tend to be a little less successful just because people just aren't always a fan of that but this one really just like became really popular like it was it how do I say this transcended I don't know if this is the right way it became really popular even though it was like a subtitle movie right. which is just like a really big breakthrough for Asian American like representation and stuff like that and then um yeah Enter the Dragon was another one I mentioned that was one with Bruce Lee it's an older movie it's a kung fu movie so that one is also a very typical Asian-American stereotype, I think, but that one's also good because um, it really shows their culture and stuff like that, so I thought that would be good. And I also know that Bruce Lee was, like, a very famous Asian-American actor, and one of my sources had mentioned that, like, he really looked up to Bruce Lee when he was growing up and stuff like that. So, um, and he was just, like, a really great example for... Asian-American men and stuff like, or not example, but just representation on screen. And then I mentioned Crazy Rich Asians because um, that one almost defied the typical Asian-American stereotype in films because it was like, it was almost a fully Asian-American cast, but it was like this, uh, this like pop culture story, if that makes sense. I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but it was like this, like this romantic comedy that was like, it was just very a very different tone, I think, than, like, a lot of other Asian-American films that had been made, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I hope this is all sounding okay. Yeah, no, like, it does. It does okay. <laughs> but, um, so that was kind of my thought process when finding the films. And the other thing I really tried to take into account was thinking about what good representation looks like on screen. And to do this, I spoke to one of my past professors. He was my communication and pop culture professor. And I interviewed him and he was told me about um, what he thinks is like a good definition of representation. And his like his definition of it was it's people of different ethnicities re receiving all sorts of roles, whether they're major, minor, flat or nuanced. And good representation also doesn't mean staying within the confines of that culture, like, which is, yeah. So, like, like, maybe one day we were thinking about, like, you get to the point where it's, like, it's not the best Asian-American romantic comedy. It's just the best romantic comedy type of thing. Because that's how, I think, normalized that each of the different ethnic groups should be represented in film to where it's just, like... It's just normal. And it's not like that right now, but I think we're getting closer to that every day. So, yeah. For my other sources, I walked into the Asian Pacific American Cultural Center here at CSU. Uh, I didn't know who I was going to interview. I pretty much just walked in there and was kind of like, can anyone give me like 15 minutes of their time to talk about Asian representation in film? And it was, I'm not going to lie, it was definitely scary. Like, I probably sat outside there for a good 15 minutes before walking in because I was just nervous because it's a very, it's a very tricky thing to walk in and be like, like, can I interview you because I need your perspective as an Asian American? Like, it's just a, it can be a bit uncomfortable. And, uh, but that's what I did. I got an interview with the, uh, the assistant director, actually. I got an interview with him and got a lot of input from him. And then I got an interview from another student who was actually from, she grew up so surrounded by Middle Eastern culture. So that was another interesting perspective that I was able to put into the story, which was cool. Yeah, that was the pretty much, that's pretty much, I guess, the research and gathering material. And then for the actual writing process, um, 
I usually make like in what I call an outline when I start writing a story. It's like, like I'll get on my iPad, I have my pen, and I'll just like scribble down like, like an outline for the story. I'll be like, okay, for the hook, I'm gonna do this, and then I'll go into details about this, and then this, and then this, and then I'll look back on that as I'm writing the story to make sure I'm staying on track and staying with my intention. And uh, yeah, so that's pretty that's pretty much how I do that. And then I'll obviously have notes and stuff from interviews, recordings that I'll re-listen to over and over again to make sure I'm getting quotes right and stuff like that. But uh, that's pretty much what went into that one. What would you say with the um, Asian American heritage and representation through film piece, what was, what did, what was your goal for the main takeaway for your audience or what did you want your audience to take away from that piece? Yeah. So that piece was for the theme. The theme of that edition was Asian American heritage month. And I just thought it would be a cool way to sort of recognize that by celebrating some good representation but also recognizing the fact that there is work to be done. But I think it's important to recognize how far representation has come from what it was and how I think it's continuing to improve slowly but surely. And I think representation is like a really important thing. People like to see people that look like them on screens and people they can relate to on screens. So I just thought that would be a cool aspect to kind of cover for uh, celebrating the Asian Pacific Heritage Month because it was just like... Now, your most recent, well, I guess, fall of 2022 piece was the Aggie Era piece. Mm -hmm. um, give us a sneak peek into that, and we can have readers go and read the majority of it, but give us a sneak peek into that and the process behind um, creating that piece. Yeah, so that one's... Honestly, that one's kind of funny, kind of a funny story, because my editor, Kaylee, had messaged me. I was not even here yet. I live. I was in Texas, because that's in Texas for the summer. That's where my family lives, so I was in Texas. And she had just messaged me and was like, hey, our edition is CSU Roots. Uh, any ideas? And it was very immediate, like, thinking about the Aggie era or the Aggie period of time or whatever. I was like, what about doing this? And she thought that was a great idea. And I know the deadline for that, I believe, was two weeks after school classes started and I had just moved into my apartment here. So it was it came up very quickly. So I began my research for that before I even came back to Colorado. Um, just went online. CSU was, CSU's website was looking for... History, it was harder than I expected it to be to find a lot of history, but that was whenever I stumbled across the um, documentary that I took a lot of information from, or borrowed a lot of information from, I should say, The the Great Experiment, CSU at 150, and uh, I came across that and was like, this is, like, perfect. It's got, like, the entire history of CSU just in this, like, hour-long documentary. So I was able to watch that. And, um, yeah, and then I came here and met with Kaylee, and I had my research, but I was like, I don't have any sources for this. I don't know who to talk to. And um, it's so funny because it just fell right into my lap. Basically, after that meeting, uh, there was this Rocky Mountain student media, like, big faculty meeting or something going on. I don't remember exactly what it was called, but um, Kaylee invited me to go to that. I went ahead and just was like, why not? I'll, I'll tag along. And the producer of that documentary was there. So after that meeting, I was able to connect with him. And then he connected me to a historian. And that was where that whole conversation came from and how I got a lot of my information from the the conversation I had with the two of them. Without. So it was just like... Wow. It was, yeah, it was uh, very lucky, very... <laughs> Co magical coincidental situation but um I think having their perspectives and the story really just made it into something great and absolutely it's really some really awesome and then I also was able to interview uh the dean of agriculture the agricultural school James Pritchett and uh he provided a really unique aspect too because it was like this was an agricultural school before anything else so um 
yeah, that's all I'll say. I won't say anything else, I guess, about the yeah, no, the content absolutely. in it. But I do think it's a really interesting piece. And what would you say is the focus point of that piece? I think the biggest focus was just focusing on what life was like for students, like like both the start of the school and like what life was like for students specifically during what I call the Aggie era. You know, because it was very different than it was than it is today, and uh, just being able to recognize how life was back then and then seeing the progression to now I think was just a really cool aspect that I wanted to capture in that story and I think I I think it did that so that's wonderful well I um like I said I went and I read through it myself and definitely an intriguing piece so I'm sure um, anyone else who reads it will agree and think the same or at least learn something (laughs) from it like I did um now we with the print edition how often is a print edition released and where can readers find it? Yeah, so I would say a print edition is comes out, I would estimate roughly every four weeks, five weeks. Uh, roughly, though. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure on that, but that's what, that's what I've, I've come to, I think, realize. And uh, Usually you can find copies all over campus, honestly. Usually in the LSC, there's always some. We actually, we always table on the day the edition comes out. So we'll be on the plaza 10 to 3 on this coming Wednesday for our newest edition or to kind of promote our newest edition. And we'll just like, it's a lot of fun. We'll just, we'll be out there. We'll be with the magazines. We'll just like, we'll run around the plaza with armfuls of magazines, just handing them to people and like, it's so funny, like, we'll have competitions to see, like, who can get rid of their stack the quickest and stuff like that. Kaylee definitely definitely wins that every time. She is scary good at it. <laughs> but um, Fun, fun. And can you give us any highlights of what's to come in this next print edition? Without giving us too much, but what can we look forward to in this next edition? If you are an outdoorsy person at all, then you will love this edition because that's what it's all about. That's that's what I would say. I mean, yeah. <laughs> awesome, awesome. And as far as you, what's next for you as a writer with the magazine? Anything um, you're working on coming up? Um, yeah, I guess there's a few stuff. So my time at College Ave, or writing for College Ave, I believe might be almost done because um, this. I think this coming piece will be my last piece because... Um, well, this is our last print edition of the semester, so we'll just be publishing online for like the remainder of this semester. Um, next semester, I'll be abroad, so that'll be that'll be exciting. I'll be sailing with Semester at Sea, and um, I've got like some personal projects I think I'm gonna work on with as far as my writing. I have like my own personal blog where I'm gonna be documenting my travels and stuff stuff like that. So. Um, and then when I return, I also do a lot of photojournalism, so I think I'm going to kind of dig into that area too, do some photo work for the Collegian, hopefully College Ave too. I'll probably still do some writing as well, but um, we'll just we'll see what happens. But I guess that's what's next for me, yeah. Perfect. And is there anything else that you would like to add about College Avenue or you would like listeners to know about College Avenue or the upcoming, in general, or the upcoming... Um, print edition. I think being a part of College Ave has really been an amazing experience. I know like I feel like sometimes it tends to be overshadowed by the Collegian a little bit which uh, no I'm not trying to like no hate to that. I love the Collegian too but um, I just think College Ave is really special and would honestly highly recommend anybody checking it out or even if you're looking for a way to make a little money and like get into writing and journalism but you don't want those those deadlines that, um those strict deadlines well college app has strict deadlines but those frequent deadlines of the collegian then college app i think is a more flexible choice that's simply why i joined it and yeah it's just been a great experience my writing has improved so much i've met so many awesome people being a part of the staff and just being a part of Rocky Mountain Student Media in general, it's just been like great experience. I've learned a lot and I would highly encourage anyone to get involved, whether that be joining in the student media or even just picking up one of our magazines. 
when we're tabling or on campus. So that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. If you're looking to read about all things outdoors, you can find the current outdoors print edition at collegeavmag.com slash print editions. Stay tuned for environmental news with Kara McKinley after the break. Hey, this is DJ Wax, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. In environmental news, it's now officially the holiday season. And with that, millions around the world will be putting up a Christmas tree. This may beg the question, is an artificial tree or a real tree better for the environment? Artificial trees may seem like the obvious choice, as they are reusable, but that may not be true. Artificial trees are made up of PVC, which is a specific type of plastic that has been linked to a myriad of negative effects, such as cancers and various environmental concerns. In addition to this, there is an environmental cost when traveling these trees to their destination, as usually they are produced in China. When it comes to real trees, it takes about eight years for them to reach maturity, and in that time, they are positively affecting the climate by consuming carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, for example. Some experts claim that if you were to choose to get an artificial tree instead of a real tree, you would have to use that tree for about five years at minimum to truly make it more environmentally beneficial. Information from this story comes from CNN. For many, the holiday season doesn't just end with decorating. The holidays mean traveling as well. Traveling is historically negative for the climate due to many reasons. Many people travel by airfare, for example, and airplanes release jet fuel, which can cause harmful greenhouse gases to be released into the Earth's atmosphere, like carbon dioxide, according to USA Today. Although, all hope isn't lost for environmentally friendly travel, though. There are some steps you can take to make your trip more environmentally friendly. When it comes to transportation, EcoWatch says that opting to take public transportation, like a bus or train, is better for the environment. If you do have to fly, EcoWatch suggests limiting the amount of flights and layovers you choose to take, as taking off and landing requires more energy than cruising does, so limiting the number of flights you take can help conserve energy. When it comes to picking out a place to stay, CNN suggests opting for a sustainable hotel. One of the hotels CNN has highlighted within their article is the Four Elements Hotel in Amsterdam. For example, this hotel is working towards sustainability by using renewable energy. Wind turbines fuel the hotel's air conditioning and heating services, while solar energy heats the hotel's water. You can find more environmentally friendly tips on sites like CNN and EcoWatch. Thank you for listening to my environmental news updates. Make sure to stay tuned for my national news updates that are coming up next. Big Al's Burgers and Dogs is a proud supporter of KCSU. Located on Mountain Avenue, just west of College in Old Town. Big Al's Burgers and Dogs features the 60-40 burger, classic burgers, hot dogs, veggie burgers, fries, and shakes. Now offering no-contact carryout, online ordering, curbside pickup, and delivery from Nosh. For more details, visit BigAlsBurgersAndDogs.com. In national news, 
Last Saturday, November 16th, there was a shooting at an LGBTQ plus bar in Colorado Springs, Colorado. The shooter killed five people and injured 25 others before two people subdued him. The suspect used a long rifle during the shooting and authorities found two other firearms at the scene as well, according to CNN. In response to this attack, Colorado's Governor Jared Polis said, quote, This is horrific, sickening, and devastating. My heart breaks for the family and friends of those lost, injured, and traumatized in this horrific shooting, end quote. The governor ensured that all the state's resources were being offered to local authorities in Colorado Springs. The governor then went on to say, quote, We are internally grateful for the brave individuals who blocked the gunmen likely saving lives in the process, and for the first responders who responded swiftly to this horrific shooting. Colorado stands with our LGBTQ community and everyone impacted by this tragedy as we mourn together, end quote. The shooter was brought into custody and appeared in court for the first time a few days ago. They currently have no bond and are expected to receive formal charges next month, according to CNN. In Chesapeake, Virginia, a gunman opened fire in a Walmart just three days after the shooting at Club Q in Colorado Springs. The gunman was a manager at the Walmart. He shot at employees during a meeting in a break room before shooting and killing himself. The shooter took six lives. At this point in time, authorities haven't found a motive behind this attack. Information comes from CNN. In other national news, on Sunday afternoon, just days before Thanksgiving, thousands of flights were delayed while many others were also canceled, according to NPR. On Sunday, New York's JFK International Airport tweeted, We cannot stress this enough. Plan ahead and arrive early. Budget extra airtime to travel at JFK Airport. Park in your reserved spot. Check in and get through security. End quote. According to NPR. JFK said this after having flights and cancellations at their airport. They were just one out of many airports all around the country experiencing flight delays and cancellations. A popular budget airline, Frontier, has now cut its customer service phone line. Customers will no longer be able to speak to a live agent. Now they will just have the option to join a live chat on the company's website or on its social media channels to seek help. The company has said that this change is supposed to help improve their customers' experience and make it more efficient, according to NPR. The World Cup has officially been going on for about a week now, and it has been very eventful to say the least. The United States team's first match was against Wales. This was Wales' first time in the World Cup since 1958, and the United States' first time back to the World Cup since 2014. The match ended in a draw with both teams scoring one point. This meant that both teams would go on to play, but the stakes became higher. Each team will need to win a match to stay in the tournament. After the U.S.-Wales game, Wales proceeded to play Iran and lost 0-2, so their place in the tournament will come down to their match against England on Tuesday. The U.S. has already played England, and the match ended in a 0-0 draw. While this wasn't a win for either team, the draw can still be seen as a success. The English men's soccer team is ranked 5th in world standings, while the U.S. men's soccer team is ranked 16th. The U.S. hasn't beat the English team since the World Cup that took place in 1950, so it's extremely notable that they've come close to a win this time around. The United States soccer match against Iran will take place on Tuesday as well, and at that point, we'll see which teams progress to the next stage. Thank you for listening to my national news updates. Now on to CSU Athletics News with Ewan Pert. I'm Ewan Pert and welcome to this week's RMR Sports Update. Up first, we have volleyball who finished their season 19-11 and 11 after an up and down season and the announcement of head coach Tom Hilbert's retirement late in the season. The team took a tough loss in five sets against San Diego State. The team will retool and see much change this offseason, but due to Jackie Van Liefta being the only senior on the team, this team will have plenty of continuity going into next season. Football would also end their season 3-8. and eight. In their final game of the season, the Rams would win their third game of the season uh, with a shutout against New Mexico, a team that CSU has not lost to in over 10 years. The Rams are looking forward to the offseason and retooling the roster in order to fix some of the holes on the team and continue head coach Jay Norvell's mission to change the culture around CSU football. Up next is men's 
basketball, who's 5-2, the Rams would take their first loss of the season at the Shriner Children's Charleston Classic, but they are still three games over 500, and John Tanjay had a big game recently against Mississippi Valley, in which he scored 25 points and grabbed seven rebounds in only 27 minutes. The team will be hosting Loyola Marymount in the middle of the week and the University of Northern Colorado over the weekend. Up next is women's basketball, who is 4-2, with close losses against Auburn and Mississippi State. The Rams have dropped two of their six games, but only by a combined six points, uh, while in all of their wins, the scoring margin has been over 20 points. The team will be headed to Greeley early in the week for a game against the UNC Bears in search of their first road win of the season before returning to Fort Collins for a game against Western Michigan over the weekend. Track and field teams will be beginning their seasons this week with the Air Force Holiday Open happening at the end of the week at Air Force. Up next is Women's Swim and Dive, who is 4-0. Heading into the week with a perfect record, the team will be headed to Albuquerque late this week for a couple of matches against Air Force in New Mexico at the end of the week. I'm Ewan Part. This has been your sports update of the week. Thank you for listening to the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Portia Cook with your Fort Collins weather forecast for today, Tuesday, November 29th. Winter weather is upon us as seen today with highs in the low 20s and snow showers throughout the day. Tonight, you can expect temperatures to drop to a high of 4 degrees. Wednesday, you can expect temps to jump up a little bit to a high of 29 with partly sunny skies. And for Thursday, we see temps jump up even more to temperatures in the mid 40s again with those partly sunny skies. And for the rest of this week's weather, you can tune in for the next episode of the Rocky Mountain Review only on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. I'm Portia Cook with your KCSU Weather Report. And that's Information all for today. Comes from the Weather we Channel. We just wanted to thank Damian Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now. We'd like to thank our guests today, as well as the rest of the staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. And I'd like to thank you, Portia. And I'd like to thank you, Kira. And finally, we couldn't do this without you. Dear listener, thank you. If you miss any part of today's show, you can find the RMR podcast on kcsufm.com under news or podcast. You can also find us on Spotify or anywhere else you listen to your podcast by searching KCSU News. And with that, we'll see you next time.